Okay, so good afternoon to uh, listeners, viewers, and participants, panelists, and all those who are joining us in this installment of the Law in Series, uh, Law in Crisis Series, which is a conversation a platform organized by the University of Ghana, uh, designed to bring together academics, policy experts, practitioners, civil society, government, and all other entities in that space to consider important issues affecting the democratic governance of Ghana in various ways. Um, this platform is useful indeed, and I'm glad to be part of it today. The event is organized or rather sponsored by, supported by Star Ghana, um, and we are, we are thankful for them. Today, we have very eminent personalities on, uh, on this program, and um, I would like to introduce them briefly. These are public personalities, obviously, they're Profile defies me spending so much time having to introduce this. I'm going to make it very brief. Um, the first I'm going to introduce is Dr. Christina Mwakunema. She was a former minister. She was a former chair of GIMPA, in which respect she used to be my boss. Um, she also says she's a senior citizen of Ghana now. Obviously, that is well known. Dr. Mwakunema, you're welcome to the Law in Crisis. Thank you, Kofi. Thank you. I'd like to also introduce, thank you. I'd like to also introduce Nana Atudazi. Again, a name that is well known. I don't have to go much into that, into detail. But Nana Atudazi was a former chief of staff of Ghana. Um, she is a transition expert. And in this regard, she is the executive coordinator of the Center for Democratic Transitions. Nana Atudazi is an active member of the NDC. Everyone knows this. And he has enormous ex experience in government. So he's a practitioner in this respect. Nana, you're welcome. Thank you very much. And finally, and certainly not the least, I introduced you the Minister of Information, um, who says I should just keep it like that. So the Minister of Information and nothing more. He obviously also has a lot to receive. Um, Honorable Kujo Kwankuma, thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. And I would like to mention the fact that Kujo has joined us um, at great cost because he is involved in a number of things which obviously demand his time at the stage. But he appreciates the enormity and the importance of this exercise, so he's here to share his perspective. So along the line, could you request to leave? And I will announce that appropriately one time to you. So let me start, first of all, by just taking your general perspectives on the state of transitions in Ghana. We are approaching another transition um, in December, which obviously will culminate in things in general. Um, we've had transitions, and in 2012, we learned a fundamental lesson. We passed the new law. What has been your general impressions about transitions, especially post-2012? Nana? Well, <clears throat> thank you very much, and thank you to uh, colleagues and, and uh, other listeners. Um, first of all, I think there are certain things you play before we launch out you know, into this conversation. And basically, uh, I would say that the, the topic itself uh, seems to generate some disquiet among some friends of mine. They say, hey, are you going to have a debate you know, with uh, <laughs> You know, transition is transition. Whether there's a change of party or government or not, we still will have a transition. I think that that should be clear. There are various types of transition, you know, but in our 
present operation, we can we will have a transition every four years. If you ever got back to uh, President Trump's speech, acceptance speech, and like all American presidents, this paragraph will open up to every four years, we gather on these steps to undertake a transition. Because um, if uh, the same government even wins, it doesn't necessarily mean that they go with the same team. You understand? There'll be some change and all that. So we, uh, I just want to clarify that, that, say that when we talk about transition here, it doesn't necessarily mean one way or the other, somebody is going or somebody is staying or somebody, I mean, whatever it is, I think we're talking about the institution, really. Do we have a system or an institution that enables us to transit from one tenure of a president or government to another? Like bridges, we get to uh, rivers, we got to cross. How do we cross it? How do we ensure that we are not swallowed by the raging street? That is what we build bridges. And those bridges essentially come out in the nature of transition arrangements. Now, my own understanding theory of it is that without rules, regulations, legal framework, administrative setup, and all that, we simply cannot have a successful transition you run into crisis. That's been the problem for Ghana and many African countries over the years. In more than 47 years, there was no change of government from one uh, government to another, democratically. Even in Ghana, in 2001, we were confronted with this crisis. I happened to be chief of staff. My office was very uh, important in you know, key in the establishment of uh, the transition team, and um, we did our best without any background, no history, no, no uh, what do you call it, um, uh, uh, no knowledge about the transition, we managed it. Four, eight years later, the MPP took over, and uh, they had to leave after that, you know, and the same crisis was there, and I was you have seen the a litany of complaints that the NPP set out at that time, it was exactly the same problems which uh, NDC set out in uh, 2001. Uh, the point I'm making is that the two sides really found that there was this challenge, you know, we didn't know how to transit, how to arrange it, you know, and um, it became messy. I must say that it is because of the poor transition in 2001 and 2009, that has led to what appears to be the deep polarization in our politics. Okay, and thanks, thanks for that uh, excellent introduction, which uh, sets the pace for the conversation. As we're still doing some sort of historical analysis at the stage, let me go to Dr. Krishna Mokunyama, then come to the honorable minister, since he represented the characters. Yes, the same, the same question, the same introduction. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Kofi, and uh, the University of Ghana for organizing um, this series. Uh, I've not listened uh, to the others. I wasn't aware anything was going on, but I will catch up after this. I think this is a, an excellent uh, initiative that the law school uh, is 
handling at this time. Uh, as Nana uh, already said, my experience also predates the Transition Act. Uh, that is, uh, as a member of the transition team of uh, 2001 January, uh, from President Rawlings to President, uh, the incoming president before then. And uh, later on in 2009, uh, also the incoming President uh, Mills uh, taking over also from President Ufo. Uh, those are my experiences. They, they predate the uh, Transition Act. But it will be important to find out what has happened in 2016 uh, during that transition after the act has been passed. In any case, I think that um, reading the act, it's excellent on paper, but the practice is what we are going to have to um, spend some time doing. It doesn't come overnight. Uh, but Certainly, we've had uh, some difficulties, perhaps worse in 2001 than in 2009. And uh, also, even after the act came into being, certain aspects of transition uh, have had issues arising. But all of these are a matter of human, uh, human nature and expectations. Certainly the ideal is there, but we are working towards that. Uh, what do we actually want to see happen uh, in due course? What will be the sustainable uh, thing that we want to see in the long run happening? Uh, I think that we are very good in this country with a lot of paperwork, excellent ideas on paper. But when it comes to the actual practice, sometimes we have issues. I think this is what I want to say. Just I find out what the 2016 experience uh, was. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, so, Kojo, the question of how prepared are we moving forward? So you can you can also go a little back into the past. You know, give us a background as far as your own experience and perspectives are concerned. But how prepared are we as we approach another major transition? Even if it's so first, let me thank the university. So don't nobody should read anything to that. But as we approach another transition, no, don't worry. even if it's government to government, it's still major. But how prepared are we for a major transition? Well, first, as I mentioned, let me thank the University of Ghana Law School and Star Ghana uh, for uh, putting this together and for giving us an opportunity to discuss these matters. And I want to um, particularly say I'm privileged to be on the same platform with uh, Dr. Christian Amakunwama, uh, who I grew up watching, um, you know, at the forefront of politics in this country, and as well as uh, Nana Tudazi, uh, who was uh, chief of staff some time back. It's an honor to be on the same platform uh, with them. I um, observed the 2009 transition from the outgoing president, Kufo, to the incoming president, uh, Mills as a journalist um, on the sidelines uh, with Joy FM at the time. And we observed sometimes some of the heated uh, 
exits from meetings at the Accra International Conference Center and how we'd get some scoops of who was cooperating and who was not cooperating and the suspicions around who was seeking to hide something and who was seeking to uncover something. And then I recall the 2012 transition of uh, President Mahama to President Mahama, which was the first time it was done, if um, my research is correct, under the current Act 845. And that did not attract much public conversation as much as the 2009 transition did because it was uh, the same, may I say, party uh, in government, even if it was transitioning from one administration to the other. In 2016, I was directly involved as a, a member of the transition committee and um, initially as a deputy spokesperson and then as the spokesperson for the transition committee. And that was also under the instruction of Act 845. And Act 845 provides a broad legal framework, which I think has improved on some of the challenges that Nana Todazi and Dr. Amakunyama speak of. But even therein, we still noticed a number of gaps. For example, beyond the setting up of the main transition team and specifically the subcommittees, there is no specific way by which people are compelled to conduct themselves in a particular way. So you can have um, subcommittees formed, but in terms of attendance to meetings and provision of information, and even what information is actually required uh, you can have challenges there. And we did have some of those challenges um, um, in the 2016 transition. You'd get to a point where some persons would be of the view that they are being interrogated and that the purpose of the exercise was not an interrogation. It was a handing over process. Um, some persons of the view that it was not a platform for seeking accountability per se. It was to provide information and then um, as it goes forward, you know, it can be attended. So you still have gaps um, in there when it comes to the functioning of the subcommittees. Then you have challenges of broader collaboration. So in the 2016 transition, by the time we were done and handing over formally to the new president, the uh, part of the transition committee that comprised members of the old administration were not brought on board in that final handing over to the new president. And therefore you recall the ceremony at the Jubilee House where the president is asking where are the members of the other half of the transition um, uh, uh, team? Because indeed, if I'm correct, the law talks about a transition team and not two transition teams. And so when you are missing a half of that team, because of how we have all conducted ourselves, it also leaves a little uh, you know, much to be desired. Um, and then also, even though that has not happened, and if I may slide a little bit, uh, I'll say I'm hoping that happens uh, in, 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 in December to January. When you have transition within the same party, whether or not there will be a thorough examination of the various elements as though it was a transition between different parties is something that under this act we are yet to experience. But finally, one of the things that we may have to look at moving forward is the Office of the Administrator General how resourced, um, how independent it is, so that as a bridge between the two administrations, it can do its job uh, very well. We haven't seen that much in the previous two transitions under Act 845, and it will be good to strengthen it moving forward. Okay, thank you all for your opening remarks. Now, and I'm gonna start, I'm gonna continue with you. You are in government. 
political transitions in the past have been marked by acrimony, and you've made, you've alluded to a few of them. So often the whole process has been patchy, full of suspicions, and cooperation has been minimal. Would you suggest an arrangement in which before elections are held, you have a transitional arrangement put in place, you have the team comprising both sides, at least, well, the problem with that is then you have to decide which parties to invite, but at least comprising the leading parties, some form of briefing, even if we limit it to the main opposition parties, so that after elections, when the anger and animosity is so high, um, we would have overcome that at that point. You know, key briefings would have been made and people would have had information they need so that we can just complete the process at the end. Would you support such an arrangement or you still think we should wait until after elections before we do that? I would say that the framers of the current act, Act 845, though I haven't seen it expressly outlined anywhere, may have considered the potential risks of that and therefore opted for this uh, alternate arrangement where before the election, um, the administration of the day is compelled by law to begin filing documentation ministry by ministry. Um, for example, here in my ministry, and I do know that across all other ministries, ministers working with their chief directors and the bureaucracy have already completed a first set of documentation for the transition. I have done mine. I know other ministers have done theirs. And I suspect they chose this route because in our young um, democracy, um, people are wary of how much information that you also want to make available, whether publicly or to what some may consider your political opponents at a critical time like this before an election. I think it is because of sometimes the levels of mischief that comes at play within our body politic. In the medium to long term, when we have um, evolved some conventions that make us understand how to handle such information, it may be easier so to do. But currently, um, the arrangement which requires us to file documentation provides information to the bureaucracy, which can then be onboarded almost immediately uh, once the transition teams are in place or once the transition team is in place um, and therefore can cure the same problem that you want to cure without necessarily um, creating room for so much mischief in the beginning. I think additionally what we need to do is to develop conventions around the spirit of the transition. Because if the spirit of the transition is not clearly understood as just a platform for handing over information. And it becomes one as though some perceive it as a platform for interrogation and accountability, while others perceive it as um, something that can be evaded. Then some of these suspicions will continue and therefore undo even a suggestion like what you are making. So the current framework is fine, but as we get the spirit of the transition well developed, we may look at suggestions like what you are making. Donna, you have had an awful lot of experience in government. What are the dangers of electoral disputations on the transitions? And what are the risks that are posed by disputes of electoral results and outcomes? Um, you know, famously in 2008, the country was almost on a break. To what extent do electoral disputes and particularly heightened, heightened electoral tensions, as we speak, as we approach the elections, you know, there's so much tension and there's so much, you know, there's, there's so much heat, political heat out there. How, how do these impact and possibly endanger any prospect of a smooth transition? 
Well, if I take that, <laughs> I think that basically uh, I listened to my very good colleague, um, Kojo, and I think he's made some real exciting points. You see, but uh, I would suggest that we go back to the basics. You understand? We're coming from a history. And that history is of a conflict, conflict situation where two major parties, you know, hated each other, the iron against iron. So you must introduce something, some material that will soften you oil it or whatever it is, you know. Now, the purpose of Act 845, um, pardon me, I was quite now myself and uh, just as uh, crap. We mandated to draft that law, looking into our history and our past. Also, actually take that statement. You see, the element of the conflict, reduce the conflict. We tended to look at creating a non-conflicting situation where a third party or an institution comes in between the two sides. In 2001, we were we had to face the other side. I mean, it was a tough matter. In 2009, as Kodio Riley said, at the end of the day, it was literally no, you know, uh, no, 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 the transition team was split into two. So how do you do? Now, there are some basic things which you need to be done. You know, transition is not just post, you know, uh, post election. It is, we have pre-transition issues. We have you drew attention, sorry to interrupt, you drew attention to the fact that the misconceptions surrounding transitions as if it's one trying to expose the other and the other trying to also dodge, you know, so that cat and mouse game is indicating the fact that if we can dispel that misconception so that transitions are understood as a public service accountability changeover, more or less. What's your opinion? I mean, that may have explained a 2001 problem because at, at that time, we were, quote-unquote, not as mature as today. Yeah, you see, you see I, I'm, I'm just coming to the point. You know, the whole question of transition management, it's not, it's not, it's not new. I mean, Hello? Please go on. Please go on. See, the whole question of transition is not new. In, in the, the, the UK, it's been there for centuries, you understand? There, the transition takes place within the civil service. So you hardly see any uh, uh, matter. They lock in uh, people who will come up, you know, officials will be nominated to, uh, what do you call it, to the new government in advance, you know, potentials, in advance into the civil service to understand the whole system. Now, in the US, if they had the same countries until 1963, they are law. Now, we have opted for this American system whereby we introduce a third factor that is the administrator general. Now, the administrator general, you know, heads a presidential, uh, what do you call it, which collects all the data, all the material. So the transition team, per se, when they meet, will be a short period. First of all, handing over notes are handed over to the uh, administrator general. He keeps them one month before election. 
Now, when there's an election and the new team wins, a new party wins, then the, 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 the um, administrative general passes the party numbers to the, the new team. There, there can't be any conflict. Now, in 2001, in 2009, what, we, what happened was that MPP was demanding from NDC the other vice versa in 2009. That is why understand. In terms of accountability and whatnot, it is better to have an institution that will deal with the issues. When people after election, well, 2001, 2009, you know, rush to um, uh, take over uh, toilets and elbows uh, and whatnot, it means that there's some problem. People are chasing 2001, we're chasing for cars. In 2009, they were chasing for cars. Even in 2016, they were taking for cars. Why? Because we don't, for instance, have a national uh, register of assets. As we sit here, there's nobody who can tell us all the assets of state. You know, so the uh, administrative general's outfit, for instance, is mandated to create, you know, a national assets. Uh, 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 register so that we can chase that. It will not be any vigilante, uh, what do you call it, um, effort, either in 2001 or 2009, you know, to want to chase cars or to want to take over uh, whatever. I'm saying that we need to address right. the, uh, the 2016, the 2012 law and then strengthen what we have set down. What okay. is the state of the administrative general's establishment as we sit today? I want to know that. I think I think it will be more constructive in our agenda for now. But as I said, just to make sure that we make for smoother things. It is not just a meeting of the of the parties as such. There are other ways of dealing with it. We can have seminars and um, training programs organized by the transition, uh, the, the administrator general, as in the U.S. and whatnot. I'll come to that. The if we, uh, the common thread that runs between what you said, Nana, and what we just said earlier, is the issue of trust. There still remains a huge trust deficit between the. They are supposed to be a team, but in reality, they are splinters in a team. We know they are together, but we know there's NDC, and that splintered character of the team never goes. Um, Dr. Christina Mokunuma. How do we address this whole difficulty of one having a team that should operate as a team, but in reality, they actually represent different political parties and each is trying to come out looking cleaner. And um, especially for a government inheriting power, it wants to ensure that it doesn't lose anything. Vis-a-vis -vis the issue of the difficulty with asset inventory. Nana mentioned the issue that we don't have you know, proper asset inventory. The law was supposed to create a proper asset inventory. How do we deal with these moving forward, given the experience we've had so far? That uh, when we uh, emphasize the transfer of power over the transfer of administrative structures, that is where we have we may have run into some problems. The Presidential Transition Act talks about both, the transfer of the administrative bureaucratic structure and the, the transfer of 
color as well. Now, there are sections in the uh, Transition Act that if we were to follow properly, then the bureaucrats, the chief directors, the coordinating directors, and, and, and those um, uh, in the administrative system, they would have the previous handing over notes. And they would also have, through the administrator general, the current drafts, if you like, or the completed handing over notes. If we allowed the administrative structure to also have uh, a more um, firm position in the whole transition management, I think um, we, would, we would really be making a headway. Certainly, when you look at the act as it is, generally, the inauguration part, uh, very little problem. It is when we come to the uh, government machinery and its uh, other uh, areas, that is where the problems arise. The inventory of assets, for example, the transfer of assets, the taking over of assets, that is where uh, a lot of our problems come in because many of the um, political actors may not actually understand the workings of the bureaucracy. They may not understand uh, the, the, the intricacies of uh, the workings of the civil service. Sorry to cut you, sorry to cut you, man, but some of them are just so blatant. So for example, a minister whose tenure obviously has come to an end because the government has come to an end and the minister is holding on to government vehicle. Um, I, with, with all respect, do you think this is an issue of uh, failure to appreciate how the bureaucracy works? I think it's just a case of, don't you think so? Please take care. I think, Kofi, the uh, appearance and the actual facts may not actually uh, bear out. This is where the administrator general, if he has the complete list of government assets. And so his office, his or her office, ought to be strengthened. I don't know, I don't even know who the Administrator General is. And I don't know if there are many people who know who this person is. It is important that that aspect of our uh, bureaucracy should be strengthened. We, 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 we look for a certain amount of inclusiveness also in some of these uh, things when we are working. Uh, I think just trying to exclude a whole section of people does not bode well for our uh, future. Thank you. Could you join government? Um, you've had nearly four years to do something about strengthening the transitional processes. And you mentioned that the administrative, administrator general ought to be strengthened. What have you done about that or what do you intend doing about that since we have a few moments to go? So two things. First is um, the temptation to tinker with the law. Second is the um, growing of conventions 
around the law. We've been hesitant to tinker with the law because like all uh, other pieces of legislation and particularly sensitive legislation of this nature, you want to give it room to um, grow and be tested before you rush to tinker with it. So we haven't tinkered with the law. But what we've done is to ensure that the processes of making information available to the Office of the Administrator General is done uh, quickly and exhaustively. So the Office of the Chief of Staff um, very early in the year sent a circular to all ministers at a number of cabinet meetings, for example, it's a matter that has been raised that ministers should do well to comply so that the Office of the Administrator General is seized with all the information um, that ought to be made available to that office in good time um, as the custodians and in preparation for uh, the next transition. I think where the balance currently is and which balance we now have to strike without necessarily again, tinkering with the law is, for example, now that I have filed or I have made available the first set of information from my ministry, is the Office of the Administrator General in a position to even interrogate what I've made available to that office? I'm not interrupting, because, I'm not, I'm not interrupting but in terms of administrative strengthening, you don't need legislative reform, you don't need a tinkering, and I understand the difficulties you have about tinkering, but in terms of strengthening its logi it logistical strength, its administrative posturing, strengthening its capacity to enforce orders, how have you empowered this body, this entity, to, to do its work? It's a demand and supply question. Like we have done with all of the other entities, many of which are independent, we've been committed to ensuring that they are well-resourced. I mean, if you take offices like that of the Auditor General and Shraj, et cetera, including the Office of the Administrator General, generally we have improved resourcing to these bodies. But whoever occupies these offices also has to do some work to help bring about the strengthening that we're looking for. And that's why I'm giving an example that, for example, now that we have made information available, is the office in a position to interrogate what we've made available? Because that is key and it is a balance that cannot be legislated. It's a very tactful balance that must be worked in uh, sort of interrogating and getting the that's kind of... That's, administ Sorry. that's administrative. The capacity yes. of to deliver. So administrative capacity. Don't you think that's something you can do without having to do any tinkering with the law? No, so like I have said, you, you, you support in getting the administrative capacity enhanced. But whoever the occupants of that office are also have to, um, while maintaining that balance, also step up or participate in this administrative strengthening. And that's why I'm giving the specific example. When we make information available, how do you work that fine line of interrogating, even from the sitting administration, what has been made available? Because, yes, I admit there may be the tendency of people having an interest to fudge or to hide some things or not make some things available. Are there standard templates or follow-up mechanisms or validation mechanisms that don't necessarily need to be legislated, don't have to come across as though you are challenging the administration of the day, but allow you to validate? And once you are validated, then the other half of the transition team can have confidence uh, or trust in what you have made available and therefore not turn the meetings or the formal meetings into a cross-examination session. So I think at this stage, like I said, it's too early to tamper or to tinker with the law. It's about resourcing and also about the occupants of that office 
finding innovative conventions by which they can help all of us have some more trust in the ability to do a good, fine middle line job. Okay, I, I understand that, but I, I would have still been with you probably giving us specific things you have done or you intend to do between now and say December to at least support it in areas that do not require legislative reform. And I understand some of the things you said. Some of them are not exactly fine. Some are a bit blended. So it's difficult to do one without the other. But I'm thinking that if, for example, he, you know, he needs researchers, if he needs uh, validators, he needs auditors, he needs all kinds of people to help him cross-check, like you indicated, to ensure that information thrown at him have a certain factual and supporting basis. These are administrative and support. I mean, and I'm thinking that between and December, if you haven't done that, it would have been useful to hear if you intend to. Two big ones I've mentioned are the issue of resourcing. You recall the last transition. It even turned out that the Office of the Administrator General had only one pickup at its disposal to work with for the entire office. Mm -hmm. um, we have done um, a lot more work in resourcing, not just them, but a lot of the other entities so that uh, resourcing. And no entity in this country will say they have all the resources they ever look for. But in stepping up comparatively the kind of resourcing they have. Secondly, like I mentioned, in making the information available way ahead of time so that it's not a rushed process. You recall in the 2016 um, uh, transition, they now got to a point where the Administrator General was not even seized with some of the documentation and the files. In this instance, we've been a bit early, about three months ahead of time, making the first sets um, available. So those two, for example, non-legislative have happened. Uh, but there's the other side, which is the demand supply question, that the occupants of that office also now have to step forward and say, we will require X, Y, Z more beyond what you have done. And that's what I'm saying. It's a fine balance that they also have to step up uh, uh, with. Okay, thank you. Um, Can I make no, a... Okay, quickly, just interject. Yeah, I, you know, you know I, I think that um, for me, when I step outside into other jurisdictions and um, to investigate their transition, we ask some basic questions. You get me? What's the structure of their transition? Arrangement? We ask whether they have a legal framework, whether they have an administrative framework, that establishment that deals with it, you know, whether they, they, they have an administrator general, for instance, somebody to, who can hold uh, a child, you get me? Whether they have that established, that's something. But I'll just come down. Now, let's talk. We have a great legal framework, undoubtedly, in Ghana. We're ahead of most of Africa. Indeed, experiences which other countries, including America, study. And I'll explain it in a moment. You understand? But in terms of implementation, what is the state, the administrative state of the uh, what do you call the uh, uh, the PEU? You see, now presidential SHG. It's interesting to find out if you know who the head is, or probably where their office is. The truth is that the head of that establishment left office last year. The current head from our own investigation is retiring maybe next month. You understand? Now, there are statutory obligations cast on this office. One, to call in, to issue notices about three months ahead to all the ministries and departments, the presidency, calling for, you know, alert and calling for, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the handed over notes. They, are, they have an obligation 30 days before the, um, 
election, presidential election, 30 days before, to undertake, you know, stock taking of all government establishments and whatnot. That's a huge job. They have so much more to do, even before our career. Now, three months ago, we don't have a head, a substantive head. Do they have funds to go with? Are they sufficiently resourced? I'm not blaming the laying blame on anybody or anywhere. I'm saying that from uh, ever since we set it up in 2012, we really haven't been done so much for that establishment. And I think that one, for instance, is that even going, uh, going forward, they, they, now, they need to set out templates, arrangements to enable, you know, uh, MDS and whatnot, presidency to follow as to how to fail and whatnot. You know, all of this have to be legislated. They have to submit documents to parliament, you know, for allies to be uh, prepared. Where, where is the ally? Where is the EI? I'm not blaming them. As I said, let's confront our establishment. I would love to see an administrator the general's office. That is strong, powerful, independent, because they are built. Uh, the administrative general is created to have the tenure of a court of appeal judge. So it's supposed to be independent. Indeed, at a point in time, that 30 days before, he is to inspect and take stock of all the, uh, the, the offices, the residences of the president, official residence, the official residence, and all that. You see, so if we just go by the law, if we resource them, and I will invite my good friend, um, look, what we need to do is that, given the challenges that we're facing, within the next 90 days from today, that's today, we're going to have election. We will have to set up possibly a task force to assist that establishment. We will need to appoint a substantive head for that establishment. They will need to issue certain guidelines to, uh, uh, to, to trigger the whole process. Otherwise, we'll sit down and say, yes, I, I'm so happy to hear Kojo say that his outfit is done it. Great. But that must come from a notice from the Administrator General to the President, especially the President, who will issue a statement to all the MBAs and whatnot to do it so you see, comprehensively. If you want to submit your report one month before election, you must at least give the people one month's notice, okay, to prepare. You understand? Now we are in, in, in September. So we uh, have uh, for time. And so, so, sorry to cut you, just because of time. Just because of time. Sorry. Um, but just because of time, one thing which is again common between you and the Honorable Minister, Kujopan Kuma, um, has to do with the issue of templates. Both of you mentioned the fact that there's a need to develop standardized templates to ensure that there's commonality as far as key documentation, key outputs, and key information requested uh, is concerned. You know, there might be a common template. But let me ask you, um, Dr. Christina Mapunyoma, as a former minister, and you did a handing over, do you think that we have a problem with templates, particularly when it comes to handing over notes? Now, I'm asking this particularly given the background of the fact that in 2016, the NPP accused the NDC um, that the NDC was doctoring information when it came to handing over notes. And the NDC rebuffed angrily, you know. But that again illustrates one thing. Apart from the absence of trust, it illustrates a problem with templates, standardized ways of doing things. Do you think that we have a problem with handing over notes? In other words, are our ministers and our 
public servants, are they good when it comes to generating handing over those that reflect their performance to the stewardship in office as they exit? Kofi, I think that if we did have a template, the Ghana civil service and local government service, I find that we have extremely competent people in these two services. And if we allowed them as the chief directors, as the coordinating directors and the other directors to go according to whatever template, a consistent template that has been uh, put down, they would be able to do this. Even if at the moment, the administrator general does not have um, the number of personnel that he or she may need to go through the documents that the different ministries, that the different agencies may submit to him or her or to the office, I think that the machinery of government ought to be able to perhaps um, loan, if you like, or um, give some personnel some competent personnel that could take a look at these handing over notes. Because the problem is, to what use do we actually put these handing over notes by the incoming administration uh, to really complete whatever programs or projects that have been started? Sometimes this, I think, is the problem. We are always quarreling or complaining or talking about the challenges of not having enough uh, bodies to do the work. But I think that within the system, if we did identify, we would be able to locate the uh, bodies that would be perhaps even uh, um, loaned on loan to the administrator general's office. I think this could be done. Thank you. Um, it must be a system in place that we, we consistently work with. It's important. Right. Thank you very much, Honorable. Um, sorry, Dr. Christina Mokunyama. Um, the Honorable Kujopon Kumar has indicated he would like to leave, as I mentioned at the beginning. But could you, before you leave, um, would you want to take one last question and respond to it very quickly for us? Yes, um, please. And I think Nana Tudazi wants to make an intervention. So. Um, maybe once he also takes his take, um, then I if I have to respond, I do so. No, I think that you need to hear this little point. Um, and I'm saying, I mean, I speak as um, somebody interested, you know, as an expert out there. You know, we must draw a distinction between calling in the records and interrogating the records. Yeah. yeah. Now, in a book I have offered, it's not yet out. Uh, and my studies, what are and I've interviewed very experienced persons in Nigeria and others. What, what, what is that? The transition team, and that is a problem we've had all along. The transition team, the period that they stay, for the period of the transition, where they meet, the, the type of people, the capacity of the people out there, they simply don't have the capacity to interrogate the, uh, uh, the handing over notes. What the, the transition team period does is only to ensure a transfer. Now, after the transfer, 
Over the next four years, we have agencies of state, police, Waleko, whatnot. It is not the function of a minister. It's not the function of a public officer to start say I'm interrogating this or I won't pay this because I'm not satisfied with this, that kind of thing. So it's over a period, if there is um, um, a, a, what do you call it, a, a crime perpetrated to have committed or whatnot, you refer to the various agencies of state. But at the transition, time, uh, transition period, it's a very simple matter. We just transfer power. Indeed, the civil service, as Madame was saying, but there's a transition almost every single day. When somebody is going on leave, he writes out his sounding over notes and leaves it and goes away. Because of his time, because of the minister's time, sorry, I, and I think you made a point on that. So thanks. But um, could you ask you prepare to leave? I would like you to take this one very quickly together with what I said and just tie it all together. The cost of transitions. So when you leave, we'll consider that you're absent. But the cost of transitions. Um, the 2012 transition, for example, was estimated to have cost in excess of 200,000. Well, not even the whole transition, but just the team. The cost of the team was estimated to have cost in excess of 200,000 CDs for just the team. And that was in 2012. Um, 2016, I don't have the figure, but you probably know that. Do you think that we spent too much on the transitional arrangement itself overall, but especially and particularly on the transition team? So um, a few comments. On the question of interrogation, I agree with Nanato Dazi that uh, there's a difference between the handing over of power and what somebody may call the desire to interrogate some of the issues. But we should also look at the broader context and expectations and perceptions which also require or demand some level of validation or interrogating whatever is in the handing over notes. And that is why I am of the view that we need to develop some conventions around the transition process that allows the Office of the Administrator General to do some baseline validation of things that both sides of the team can therefore trust. It goes a long way to negate the requirement for people now to sit at the transition table and seek to um, interrogate or turn it into a cross-examination platform. Because while, yes, there are bodies down the line in the next two, three, four years who can um, do a proper investigation into anything, at that table or during that process, there's also a desire across the country, while I admit it's not a, a cross-examining platform or an interrogation platform, there's a desire to, 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 to know that the facts as they are is what uh, have been put together and handed over. But if the Administrator General's office can do that baseline work a bit more, it makes the process easier and negates any uh, need to go into some further details. And that is why I circle to the earlier point I made that it's a demand and supply thing. The persons into whose hands that responsibility of manning the office uh, has been entrusted must also understand that they cannot just be the conveyors of paper they also have to step it up to a particular level, whether they are in acting capacity or substantive capacity, um, or they have six months to go, they have a sacred duty to ensure that they are not just passers of paper. And as Dr. Mwakunyama mentioned, they're very skilled people in the services. Um, to the extent that we are evolving our democracy and are not interfering with their work, they should step it up a bit some more and demand some more if they require some other logistic beyond what we've provided. Now, finally, on the issue of the cost of uh, transitions. In all honesty, from my experience as a journalist, today as a practicing politician, I think the question of the cost of transitions 
has been more mischief than reality. More mischief than reality. Um, democracy in itself, Mr. Bucci, is expensive. Um, so everything we do in this democratic exercise, the whole nature of having people from different sides sit, having the office of the administrator general, etc., it will cost some money. Expensive, but expensive, but efficient expenditure. And well, um, expensive. That's that's one part I disagree. When we say it's expensive, my understanding of expensive is not in the use necessary of public uh, public money in a certain way. I think the the efficient deployment of resources. So a team, a transitional team. Assuming that a two, 2012 figure is true, 200,000 plus, do you think that's an efficient deployment of resources? In fact, the, 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 the one that sounded most scandalous was the 2009 uh, one. And you can always you know, read between the lines. The transition mostly is administered by the outgoing administration. They incur the expenses. The new administration comes in and says, this is how much they even spent on the transition we have, we, have, we have a bruhaha for the next week. And that's why I say that it's more mischief than reality. Yes, if the Office of the Administrator General is functioning a bit more stronger than it is doing now, um, we can shorten the process, tighten it up, make it more financially efficient. But I don't think that so far, in reality, um, there has been so much inefficiency to warrant the kind of headlines and mischief that... Uh, we have both sides of the divide indulged in in, in 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 previous transitions and moving forward if we if we get the independent body to do its work a lot more tighter it should make questions of uh, the cost of the transition unimportant i'm not sure i heard of the cost of the u.s transition or in other jurisdictions but you know here in ghana we like to play mischief with a lot of things that's what i have to say about it. okay so as you depart unfortunately you wouldn't hear the responses of my two other distinguished guests nana Tudazi and the minister who, like you, were ministers and government functionaries. And um, I, I, I will let you know what they said when I get you privately about the cost. Um, I am not, I'm not wholly satisfied with your answer. I, but I'm, <laughs> I, I know why you say the things you said. But, you know, it's more buhaha. But yes, I'll hear from them and then we'll share. But let me thank once again the Honorable Minister of Information, Kojo Pankuma, for making time. He is involved in all kinds of things and we have to squeeze him here. So we appreciate your time. And um, you can go back to saving Ghana. I want to say thank you and thank you to Nana and to uh, Doc. Um, and I'll hope to learn from the final comments that they share with us as well. Thanks once again. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so, Dr. Makunyama, do you think that, given his answer, that transitions are not, that would make him too much fuss about the expense um, involved in transitions in that? Let me come back again to the matter of the administrator general. The, the person who is appointed, who appoints this person, how independent are they? These are all questions that we need to interrogate. We can put the blame on the political actors or on the bureaucracy. The truth of the matter is that the law says an administrator general ought to be in place. For the past is uh, how many years? Eight years now since uh, Act 8845 was passed. Who have been the administrator generals? What have been their output? 
even during the time as uh, government is running, as the administration is running, the handing over notes are not documents that are supposed to be just handed over and be done with. What do we do with the contents? And in any case, how standardized, how consistent are the contents of these handing over notes? All of these are issues that we need to look at and to find a way to, to assist and to support all those who have to write or all those who have to deal with these um, uh, handing over notes. And in any case, I know uh, for a fact that the uh, coordinating directors or the chief directors have a lot to do with this. So it shouldn't be a problem. As long as we have a template that everybody agrees on, these things can be done. And uh, the administrator general ought to uh, do exactly what the law says uh, they should do. And I think that in time, with practice, we will become uh, perfect. Yes, we think that uh, eight years, 12 years, 20 years is a lot of time. But when you compare this to the length of time that other democracies have had, we are actually babies in this thing. And we ought to really sometimes uh, give ourselves a little bit of um, a little bit of credit, I think, uh, okay. as we go along. So it looks like I'm the one who's complaining. Let me hear Nana, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I'll repent of my complaints. But Nana, yes. Are oh. transitions expensive? You can just quickly give me your no, no, no. It is expensive. The transition process is expensive when it's not defined, when it's not structured, when anybody walks into the conference center, uh, you know, remember community uh, takes part in the whatever happens. Then now we have an establishment, an institution that demands the handing over notes. So you don't need anybody to be sharing handing over notes at conference center or anywhere. One month before the time, administratively at the punch of a button, you know, we could send a message back to the administrator general. The formal meeting of the transitional team could be as short as a day or a few hours where the document, documents are formally transferred. These are formalities. It's a, you transfer four things. One, you transfer government machinery where you hand over those notes to the other government. This is it. In 2016, at the time of the transition, the NDC had about six or eight handing over notes ready. At the time they inaugurated, out of our, is it 26 or more? Well, they were not ready. You see? Now, that's what we should improve on it. You understand? But I'm saying that one month back, we could have done it. Indeed, we called for an amendment of the law in terms of uh, moving the election, the transition period, one month back. It was rejected by parliament. So that we would have two months to deal with the issue. In America, the transition starts six months back. Handing over notes is submitted six months back with all their computer, you know, whatever. You know, six months back. You give yourself more room to prepare. You understand? Now, all these things are missing. I'm saying that when you have an institution dealing with it, you will come to a situation like in Britain, 
where transition takes three hours. We don't believe that one. Three hours. Where all that you see on the television is, you see that going uh, prime minister, you know, in a, some restaurants or whatever, to the queen, hand over these letters. And then another hour or so, you see another person coming back, you know, going to the queen, taking letters of credence. You know, that is all that you see. So why should we spend one week or more fighting and you know, jostling and uh, demanding documents we don't have the capacity even to understand? You get me? So uh, I, I'm saying that let's allow the institutions to work. And then it will be less expensive and more efficient for us. This is the message I will out tell people. Sierra Leone, Liberia, Gambia, whatever it is. And they say, Bagana, you are on top. But the reality is that we are standing still. So I'm saying that, for instance, with the particular the emergency activity, legal statutory activities which must take place within the next two months, three months, when we don't even have a, a substantive head, we must set up a task force. Government must, you know, opposition, whatever, set up a task force to go and assist them to deliver, you understand? Otherwise, we will be heading towards chaos and confusion. We've been there before. 2016 was very smooth because we operated on the back of the, uh, the uh, PTA, that the Presidential Transitional Act. 2012, we used the Presidential Transitional Act as you know, uh, it wasn't ready, really. I mean, so we use it just as a, um, you know, as a guide. You understand? It was also good. But 2016, after 2016, Ghana doesn't have any ex excuse to have any crisis, you know, with transition. Because there will be more transitions to come. But like uh, Madame said, I believe that once we've laid the foundation, for the institution, once we resource the uh, establishment, once we, we make sure the right persons are there, they are, the, the head is appointed by the president, you know, in consultation with council of state. So what do you fear? But he's an independent person. So like a judge, even though you appoint him, he takes position, you know? And when it comes to the, the uh, regulated or uh, legal remit, he employs he enforces it. If he fails, people can take him to task. If the president fails, how do you see the president? It's a tough time. But it's an establishment that must undertake stock taking of the president's private residences, president's official residence, that of the vice president, that of the ministers of state, that of district assembly, uh, 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 chief executives, and all that. The executive, you know. It is the point of accountable governance. You understand? It's a, this, the PT is a, the point of accountable governance. They can ask questions which you and I cannot ask. In the US, when, you, when they come for the stock taking, they let you take, take everything away. Three months later, you get a note that tells you that there's something missing. Or they take uh, what they call the finding for it. It's there. It's published. Let me. So I, I'm, I'm just saying that we must take this matter serious. We have 90 days to action. 
You must prepare, the same person must prepare for the swearing-in and all that. The stock taking on the uh, 7th of December. I, I don't want to uh, you know, bore you, but uh, these are for me, I have a list which says about the agent short-term requirements, as well as the medium-term requirements. You know, because you have the establishment like Public Procurement Act. What is your business? They, what, what is their business? For me, that establishment must be collapsed into the public, uh, what do you call it, into the uh, presidential estates unit. And the Ministry of um, 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 uh, Public Procurement abolished. Because we have a substantive head whose business is to acquire, to purchase assets and properties for the state and keep a register of assets. That is it. And you can chase people who abuse it. We can use the PPA as a support, you know, to vet things, you understand? So uh, I'm sorry for this long term, okay. but- Okay, very, very educative. Thank you very much. Um, at this stage, I would like to read out a few questions that we have, and I'll direct it to you as it applies. So there's one that says, Nana Atudatu said transitions are governed by laws and rules and regulations. Is it not true that the difficulties experienced in 2001, 2009, 2016, where do you impact, uh, where do you, in fact, the fact that Ghana laws, rules and regulations were not enforced or complied with? Um, I think you're, you've actually answered these in many ways. Yeah, we really have laws. Um, another question says, Nana to the, uh, another question says, for instance, in 2017, I think it's a comment, the Office of the Administrative General, Administrative General requested to be linked to the uh, GIFMIS platform for comprehensive military. Now, in so doing, the Office of Administrator General would be able to automatically capture government uh, procurement undertaken by the various ministry department agencies. Uh, this will no doubt eliminate most of the issues that arise. What have the government done? Mr. Juan Kumar has left, so we have no government right to speak on that. The, Mr. Daniel Apia said the Presidential Transition Act 2012 um, created the Office of the Administrator General to comply credible data for all state and government, government assets and property and facilitate their handing over from one government to another during presidential transitions. Now, I'm happy the Honorable Pong Krumah has mentioned the OAG and pointed out that there's a need to resource the office. I want to know from him, he's left, so I can't complete the question. Um, and there's something also for him, he's left. Okay, I think... Yes. Breaking. Yes. You, you can complete the question so okay. that we, we, these are points that we Okay, that's right. Um, so it seems, I think the, so uh, the one which I, okay, let me complete that one. So I want to know from Honorable Pongkruma what exactly the current government has done since assuming office to make the OAG effective. So that would be hard to be answered by anyone unless we're making general comments. But yes, I think it's a specific uh, question directed in that respect. Now, I like Honorable Pongkrumba's focus on the demand and supply angle. Can we get the Administrator General to talk about the demand side? Now, it seems that the Administrator General has been too quiet um, in that poorly resourced office within the Osu Castle. So you have already concluded about the fact that it's a, poor, it's a you know, there's poverty stricken office. Um, now, Vera Haibo says, there is currently a presidential transition amendment bill in Parliament 
to fine-tune the Presidential Transition Act 2012. And this was proposed by the IEA in 2016, which touches on key areas such as value for money, resolving uh, legal technicality issues, etc., providing enforcement powers to unlock the full potential of the Act 845. Um, and then I have a question from Nanaba Frimpong. Nanaba says, Honorable Kojo, what is the legal and governance structure of the administrator? I would appreciate more context on the relationship between the office and certain governments. We have a reputation for replacing several civil servants, civil servant roles when we have a new government. Of course, not all civil servant roles should be impacted by a new government. It is important that the office is impartial and how, and how is this guaranteed? I'm also interested to know Dr. Chris, Dr. Amwako Neoman's view on this. So Doc, this is specifically directed at you. And then the last question, I can take the last question and I'll have your feedback on this. The last question or comment on this, does former President John, John Dramani Mahama stand to lose all conditions accorded him as former president when he loses the December 2020 elections? Well, you don't use the word when, because when is certain, if. Dr. Christina Mokni. Um, my views on the Administrator General's position is similar to many of the other uh, appointments that are supposed to be made by the President in consultation with the Council of State. Generally, the person appointed ought to be seen as being very independent. But unfortunately, in our part of the world, or I, I would just say in Ghana, those who are supposed to be independent have not either been allowed the room to function uh, as such, or the persons themselves have not, uh, as the uh, Minister of Information kept saying, that the appointee in that position ought to also assert themselves. Here is where we have the difficulties. Uh, I think sometimes the challenge for us in our system is speaking truth to power. This has always been a problem for us in the ministries, in the regional administrations, civil servants or public servants somehow are not able to speak truth to power. There are ways in which this can be done without creating offense. If you have a position in an office, a bureaucratic office to, to, to occupy, it's your responsibility to do as the law says, or the practice of your office says. It, there are certain characteristics that cannot be legislated. It has to be, um, it has to be a character trait in our, uh, in our uh, system. This is where I find that many or some of our uh, office holders um, do not perform as we expect them to. 
I'm not sure if that has answered your question. But it, it has. And um, I have another question here from Kenal Festus Abaji, and who says, one of the most disturbing aspects about transition has been the use of particle soldiers in retrieving state assets. Although this has been mentioned, and given the escalating levels of political violence and political vigilantism, how can we practically ensure that such non-state actors do not intrude into the sphere of democratic transitions? Um, Nana Tuda, did you want to take that quickly? So very briefly though, we are out of time. Very briefly, and then I'll take from Dr. Christina Mokli. Yeah, um, well, I think it's a very um, useful question. Um, you know, we, there's a concept of citizen vigilantism, you know, which is cropped up, and um, it can be beneficial. You know, when uh, you see a wrong happening, you are entitled by law to, you know, assist, mitigate, mitigate it, you know, stop it. But the problem is when there is no, you know, that people do take on vigilantism, largely when they perceive that there is no authority or so-called authority existing or operating. That's that the vacuum within which they operate. So, so long as there is an existing establishment that is doing its work, if you have the police and they have to do their job, they got to do their job. You understand? If the policeman is standing by and somebody is acting as a vigilante, he has an obligation to stop that person. But no, you understand? So in terms of uh, all the uh, chasing up, I say that through time, we will perfect our act. And I'm saying that if we don't have a list of government assets, how are we going to even chase or know which one is it. We've read on, we've been in this country where assets have been collected from people, forecasts, whatnot, eventually returned to them. You know, so where, where, where are we? There must be, is an absence of a register of assets that's creating a problem. I've been in a country where the former president leaving left with 48, <laughs> 48 containers he said to have left with 48 containers of uh, 40 footer container, what are you, you know, uh, trucks. Nobody investigated, nobody checked, and all that. It may be an after story or whatever. But I'm saying that we, like uh, Madame said, we must have a system. We must develop it. It may not be the best, but we it will, we will be strengthening it. How do you talk about an establishment like um, um, or Wuchesis? the public assets and whatnot. Well, you know, you have a, a full-fledged, you know, um, <laughs> administrator general, you understand, or a system to do it. So I'm saying that, or even in the duplicate, uh, duplicate situation, where we have people doing the same job, the auditor's job, the auditor general's job, that of PPA, and that of uh, 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 the PEU, must be streamlined. These are long-term issues which, you know, we must, must engage us to follow up how to put them all together so that we have a more consistent and efficient, you know, vehicle for delivering the, the, the transition, you know. But I'm saying, I mean, we have work to do before the election. There's work to do during the election. Then there's also work to do after the, uh, the election. 
That's why we say that the, we are only scratching the surface. I'm sorry, if we just start talking about post-election management. What about the pre-election management? It's a huge area. If you fail that, you fall into the, uh, to the river. Yes, Kofi, uh, the issue of uh, what I will call uh, political thugs, uh, sometimes uh, we have to face the truth. Some leaders seem to be permitting this to happen. And the fact that there are some political actors who will take into their hands, in spite of the fact that we have the police, and the other security agencies, there are political actors who uh, will continue to do these things because nothing happens to them. They are allowed to go scot-free. And this is something that we must face as a people. We like to pretend that we are not seeing what is going on. Even when you have written, even when you have pointed out certain things that have gone on, Letters are not responded to. No action is taken against those who have uh, done what they are not supposed to do. And what do you expect other people to do when they see people getting away with th these things? This is our problem. And uh, so long as we pretend that everything is okay, when we know it is not. Can I give one word for it? Okay. Yes. Impunity. impunity, that sense of impunity, people believing that they can do things and get away with it, that they have love, you know, political uh, masters or whatnot, who, uh, you know, always go and bail them out. But, you know, political parties do that. They storm police stations, they take leave at our persons, some people call from above. Look, if we don't cut out political impunity, there will be no peace in this country. And as an establishment for dealing with these matters, they, if somebody is holding a property, that's not state property, you make a complaint to the administrator general, he will, you know, um, ask the police to retrieve it. That's the order. It, it happens only when there's a vacuum, you know, there's a perceived non-existence of, you know, uh, what do you call it? political order or uh, authority. But when it, it exists, you have no excuse. Given our experience as a country and given all that you've all said and given the election, which is staring us in the face in just about, what, three months? How confident are you that we will experience a smooth transition, um, whether intra-government transition, i.e. from one government to itself, or intergovernment transition from one government to the other. Uh, Dr. Mokni, I'll trust you. Our police service will do its duty because in the civil society, it is the police that we know we should go to when something goes wrong. But if the police service itself allows itself to be seen as being politicized, then we have a problem. Uh, I think that between now 
and when the elections are held. We would really need to see the security agencies performing their roles as security. We do not need to see the military involved in civil society issues. It is the police that I would want to see uh, getting involved in election issues. Yes, the other security agencies are there to support, but where we have uh, certain uh, agencies being perceived as being pro this or pro that. And the partisanship is something that is a problem. Uh, extreme partisanship in this country is something that we need to uh, interrogate in, in the coming uh, months. Uh, civil society organizations talk and immediately people are jumping all over them, either this way or that way. And the moment people uh, feel that they are, or perceive that they are being targeted, depending on uh, how strong people are, they may just recoil into their shells. And unfortunately, social media being um, the way it is, you don't see who the person is, that is saying what they are saying, people take all kinds of liberties to destroy others, the reputation of other people by stating things that are not completely uh, accurate. Uh, these are all matters that we need to begin to, 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 to look at seriously. We can't just pretend that everything is all right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, Nana? Yes. Um, well, yeah. you know how confident you are about the transitional arrangements for December? Yeah. But, you know, briefly, my position is very well known on this, on vigilantism and all that. Whenever we talk about whether we can have a peaceful election uh, in the next three months, I feel so sad. Because we've had a wonderful experience in 2016. No matter how tough it was, we had a tough running debate and whatnot it went through, and we, we scaled through, and then we had a wonderful, uh, what do you call it, handing over process. I'd say that that is what made some of us where we are today. You now, so why, after four years, we're talking about whether we can, whether we can have an, uh, a peaceful election or what we should, it should be, we must be moving ahead. For me, we can't talk about what's going to happen the next 90 days because it's in the air. But we can talk about what has happened within the last nine months. That is, that is reality. You understand all oh, the last 12 months or oh, one year. See, you look at the past to determine what's the present, to look into the future. The experiences of Ayawasu um, was um, Gogon was a bad and bad dream. I thought that after the appointment of Mr. Short's um, uh, committee and uh, its recommendations, we'll go ahead and we all decided, no, never again. We shouldn't see that. What we saw during the uh, well, registration, 
you know, suddenly, you know, make people feel shut up at that point, you know? Because uh, some say, oh, there were scattered events and all that. I said, me, I'll, my position is very simple. The police from time memorial have been involved in our election processes. Let's keep it at that. And I think that I have faith in Ghana we will take the right decisions within the next 90 days and we shall have a peaceful uh, election. And uh, uh, you know, Ghana will move on. Thank you. Thank you, my distinguished panel. Uh, Dr. Christina Mokonyama, former minister, former chair of GIMPA, and senior citizen. Um, Nana Tudati, former chief of staff and president executive coordinator of the Center for Democratic Transitions. Honorable Kojo Pankrumah in his absence who participated to a point, we thank him. We thank all of you for coming. I would at this stage just hand over to the coordinator to bring things to a conclusion. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.